Hi, welcome back. I'm here with my good friend, Jeremy Tillman. Jeremy, how are you? Doing well. Hey, thanks for being here today. I mean, the topic that we're going to talk about is diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Obviously, diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging are high priorities for every organization now. And we can talk about the reasoning, you know, <laughs> until cows come home. Uh, okay. But we all now have to do something about it. If we're a leader in an organization, there needs to be some action taken, particularly if you want to attract and retain people that, you know, have certain values that they deem important. So these initiatives have sprung up a lot of training programs, as you well know, inclusive leadership, diversity uh, training and so forth. However, you know, are these truly creating sustained positive culture change. And so that's what I want to talk about. So with that as a framing, if you would please introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do there at TrainUp. Great. Thanks, Al. It's always an honor and pleasure to be here. I'm Jeremy Tillman, founder and CEO at trainup.com and in Knowledge Flow. And you know, we've been in the LD space really since 2004. We've helped more than 60,000 companies uh, schedule and coordinate training and development um, for their staff. So I'm the CEO. I'm here to keep the lights on and to, and to keep and to keep the vision and the vision going and help create community within our own uh, organization as well and try to put some of these things into practice that we that we teach and, and put out to a lot of our customers as well. Well, let's jump right into it. It's uh, Black History Month. Uh, quite a few things have happened over the last two years. Um, that have highlighted the need for social justice. Uh, you and I have talked uh, both informally offline as friends as well as professionals about the role of organizations in promoting social justice. And uh, you know, again, we've talked about these programs that uh, in some cases have worked well and in other cases have uh, missed the mark. So given where we are in our society here in 2022, you know, what do you think needs to be done? Uh, we'll just cut to the end game right now. You know, what, what will work? And we can unpack it, you know, and go back. But I'm just really curious your thoughts. You know, what are organizations not doing that they need to do to create sustained positive change in this regard? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. And it's a lot to really unpack. And especially in this month of Black History Month, we're really some of these things take, take an extra focus. At Trainup.com over the years, we've seen maybe like a 500-fold increase in diversity, equity, inclusion uh, training requests. And, and frankly, I think the, the biggest thing that everyone needs to know and understand is that it's okay that you don't have it figured out. Not, not many, it, it's, it's difficult. And many organizations are, are doing the best that they can uh, to try to help and to try to build inclusive cultures. And at least they're, they're trying. Unfortunately, a lot of what's happening out there and a lot of the methods that many companies began to do just haven't been effective uh, from a training standpoint. And, you know, um, that's sometimes I think that organizations, they really do go in with the best intention. But DEI is one of those things that's very emotional. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like project management training. It's not like Excel training. It's not just that information will produce change. Uh, everyone's coming in with their real self, their own biases and their, and their own emotions and being able to, to create the environments that help foster the things that we want 
um, are difficult, but we've, we're seeing success with, with a lot of uh, our clients now and many companies are doing some really uh, amazing things. So I would love to dive into some of those. Well, you know, with that in mind, you know, again, what are people, leaders that is, what are leaders doing that that is actually helping organizations, number one, become aware, not only at scale, but individually? And two, you know, what is some of the salient uh, attributes of organizations that are, are, are doing this well? Because I know you have, you know, some opinions on this and, you know, backed by research, not just your, your thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think one of the things that's really critical is that it becomes both a top up and a bottom down approach. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we want our organizations to, to make those big, bold statements and they're actually um, put their money where their mouth, mouths are and really care about this and, and make those bold declarations from the top. So getting the buy from the top, we think is critical. But sometimes a lot of organizations forget that we don't run from the top. Companies don't move from the top. They move from the bottom. It's about the people. And DEI in and of itself is about the people. And one of the things we're really harboring on right now is that in what we're saying is that we believe that inclusion is greater than diversity. A lot of times, you know, we make diverse hires or we make these initiatives around diversity, but we haven't quite gotten there from an inclusive culture standpoint. So even when people come into our organizations, maybe they're not getting that acceptance. And you see the stats where uh, a lot of the leaders that are coming in are leaving and they're jumping from company to company or being recruited and they leave early because the stickiness isn't there because of the culture. And so we're really encouraging companies to take a look at inclusion, even almost more important than diversity, because inclusion involves everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't leave anyone out. We're all in, involved in that. And sometimes the diverse initiatives come across uh, as if they're doing the opposite of even what we're trying to accomplish. Well, it's interesting to say that because diversity for many screams metrics, you know, okay, we hire X number of women, X number of uh, black people. Um, is that success, you know, particularly to your point, do they come in and feel excluded? They feel like they don't belong. So, you know, you and I, again, have talked about this notion that, the, you know, I cite a Chinese proverb, the beginning of wisdom is calling things by their right names. So for you, what is inclusion and how can it be nurtured and developed? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great, that's a great question. I, I think that when we think about um, inclusion, Uh, in an organization, I think the first thing we have to remember is that we have to accept people where they are today. A lot of times we want people to ascribe to a a set of beliefs or we want them to care about things, but each and every person in and of themselves has the feel that they can be themselves uh, within an organization, that they're gonna be valued, that they're gonna be accepted, that they're gonna be cherished for what they bring to the table. And then as an organization, how do we help move people um, to a place where we don't, we no longer just care about ourselves, but we actually care about others mm-hmm. on our team, in our organization, in our community, the customers that we serve, society. And these aren't easy things to accomplish because we're dealing with, you know, the messy nature of humans, but inclusion allows people to be free, to be safe, um, and to be in, in included. And those aren't things that just, just happen overnight, especially in organizations that have, have had history or various things that happened in the past. But um, we think there are definitely ways that companies can go about helping build that culture towards inclusion. 
And we're even teaching things like everyday inclusion, not just the one off things that we can do. What can we do every day? The little things that add up to get us um, to the culture that we desire. Yeah, I'm, uh, as you know, a volleyball player and a volleyball coach. And we talk about, I talk about with my players, uh, four stages of development. There's unconscious incompetence. Okay. There's conscious incompetence. <laughs> there's conscious competence. And then there's unconscious mm. competence. And unconscious competence being we're doing the right things in the right way habitually. We don't have to think about it anymore. And it just dawned on me as you were talking is I, I think we look at we, we can look at inclusion or our biases and, you know, conscious, unconscious, because uh, and Joe Rogan is a perfect example. And he called out that his own statement, mm-hmm. and I ain't going to repeat the statement because it's too ugly, um, was was racist. Mm-hmm. So he was unconsciously racist and then he became consciously racist in that moment. And now, like Maya Angelou say, you know, do better <laughs> until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. So my question will land um, like this is it's one thing to cognitively become aware that, hey, I might have not done things right and excluded people un- unconsciously. It's another thing to practice the proper behaviors, practice inclusion, so it in fact becomes a habit. And I know you're really adamant about building community and having these conversations and practicing these techniques on an ongoing basis. So, you know, can you speak to, to that, to the need for, you know, practicing or first off, knowing uh, that you, know, you can do things better? Number two, knowing how to do it better. And three, practicing. Can you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we're so focused on right now and we think is critical to building inclusive cultures is that we have to create community within our within our organizations and within our, our company. And one of the aspects that we do that is by actually celebrating growth um, and just celebrating in, in general. So a lot of times in training, we give people the right information. Then later, we don't reward the right behavior. We don't correct the wrong behavior. Um, it gets swept under the rug, but more importantly, we don't celebrate when things do go well, you know? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we've been doing at Tramp and Oswald is building safe communities where people and companies and employees and leaders can put these things into practice and into play continuously. Uh, We're on this continuous learning journey because we believe that if you're going to build inclusive cultures, they're not going to happen overnight. They're not going to happen because you threw a great training event and you you gave everyone uh, an amazing amount of information, not to take anything away from from great content. Uh, It's because we put these into practice over time. We succeed and we fail. And if we have a safe environment for that, that failure, for those successes to be celebrated, for that courage to take place, to have those courageous conversations, um, but also for the curiosity uh, to happen within within an organization for us to explore where there's things that are different or where there's ideas that are different because it's in that curiosity and that exploration that we're going to uncover amazing things mm. and so instead of just framing our what we're doing for organizations around the actual training event we've really been helping them set up environments 
um, that are safe and building community around content and around these topics of inclusion so that we can then measure how effective they are and are they being put into practice in what real ways and how does it how is it actually impacting the business you know i think we're beyond that check in the box phase or let's do our dei training e-learning in our lms and everybody did it and rah 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 because at the end of the day we know that that actually not only does it not produce a change that we want we have no idea what it impacted and we want to help companies to to move well beyond that well, I, I know, thank you for that, number one. And because I, number one, couldn't agree more. Number two, I couldn't agree more. But the idea that we have a series of event-based training programs that are disconnected, that people don't discuss, you know, or practice, you know, has to go away, even though the intention often is, oh, no, we're, we're doing something, you know, like that. Uh, the reality is, is that it happens, it goes into history and it's it's kind of done, you know, yeah. and so there's little accountability. So I know you have some three keys, which I'd like with your permission to uh, to bring on the screen for you yeah. to talk to. You see you see it there? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. We have your three keys for effective DI programs. You speak to that. Yeah. Well, um, our three keys are, are pretty straightforward. One is create community. Uh, the second is to focus on inclusion. And the third is to celebrate growth. And I know these sound like kind of pie in the sky uh, type of things. Like how do we really create community within organizations? And oh, we wanna focus on inclusion and, and celebrate growth. But we believe that with or without tech, if organizations begin to think about these from the perspective um, of each of these. So let's, let's talk about uh, creating um, community. So let me give you, let me give an example. And, and this is scary stuff. I mean a lot of companies, this, this is tough. So we have a, a global company that has over 100,000 plus uh, employees. And they really wanted to do inclusive leadership, DEI training for, for 40,000 leaders. But this is a big global company that owns, you know, lots and lots of um, organizations. And they want to foster this culture of inclusion um, and diversity. And so they approach us and one of our, um, our partners and they want training. I mean, that's what everyone does. They, they, how do we get training? How do we communicate this information? And we said, let us help you build um, safe communities. Um, we want the conversation to start before the training does to allow people to unpack the emotions. Because if we're going to build community, we have to allow people to come with their anger, with their angst, with their fears, and be able to express that. We have to move beyond the expectation being showing up for the training and the expectation being how do we participate even before? And so this global company was like, this is really this is really scary stuff to um, to to begin engaging before. And so in our platform, there's knowledge flow, there's training flow, continuous learning platform. What we were able to do was we did a four country pilot. We took 250 people from uh, China, 250 people from India, 250 people from the UK, and 250 people from the United States. And these were a thousand people that didn't really know each other. And we put them together in this pre-community where they actually um, got an opportunity to answer discussion questions that asked them to be vulnerable and poll questions that really challenged um, the views of DEI within the organization. And next thing you know, almost 600 people are expressing real insights and real opinions before 
um, the training ever began. And of those who did, 86% of them actually showed up to the, to the optional live events. And only 7% of the people who didn't engage showed up for the training. And so what we did is we helped to build this, this community. And it's just, it was just the first, first step well before the training began. So that when the training actually happened, the intent um, was stronger. The, the focus was, was really there. And the next thing we, we want organization to do is really focus on inclusion. If you're thinking about the big picture of everything, um, it's not so much about the do's and the don'ts as it is of how do we um, really help others? How do we take the focus off ourselves and we look to in include others? And, and then also in this whole concept of community, companies need to have transparency. We don't have transparency in our organizations. In our community, when you answer a discussion question, as soon as you answer it, you get to see all the other responses, but everyone also sees yours. When you answer a poll question, you don't have to wait for survey results to come out. You see them in real time. And you can engage and you can acknowledge others and you can encourage someone else right in the platform. And that's really what's so critical to helping really foster that safety is that it's open and it's transparent, which is really, really critical. And then afterwards, um, this organization, we actually did a multiple series of smaller trainings. Instead of trying to cram a bunch of information into one, we did multiple, um, multiple smaller events. And we created space in between those events for them to put those things into practice. Let's learn a little bit. Let's try. Let's apply. Where are we succeeding? Where are we failing? How can we get better? How can we encourage each other? And then the next event happens and we repeat that process again. And the interactions and the engagements that happen within that allow um, those walls to begin to come down, the fears to begin to um, decrease a little bit so that we can begin to build uh, and measure the impact of the things that we're doing. So it's about, at the end of the day, the interactions. It's about being seen, heard, and, and empowered. It's one thing to book learn and watch the documentary or, you know, all these things are part of the journey to self-awareness, but to get into uncomfortable yet safe situations where you can explore your biases, you know, how you've made people feel, how expressing how you feel, uh, because there, this is a two-way street and in, in my view and in my experience where, yes, and focusing on the black experience, mm. you know, I'm not going to understand I'm not a black person. And I'm going to try and empathize to the extent that I can, given my set of experiences and, and my education. That's going to provide me some, yes, some assets, but there's going to be some liabilities based on my journey. You know, like Juneteenth um, until a couple of years ago was a blind spot for me. And I am a pretty damn self-aware and I thought I was you know, understanding a black experience to extent where I could like, you know, hang and be particularly given my athletic background and football and track and basketball. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, this is my, and, but no. <laughs> and what I want to emphasize and land with this is I am self-aware enough to know, I like to think anyway, that I have room to improve in this regard. And something that I want to talk about before we wrap up today is that it's my belief that it's not just good enough to do the right thing when something comes at you. 
that we have to proactively go out and engage and promote social justice through our actions. And that takes work. It takes work to become more self-aware, to focus energy in the right ways. And yes, organizations, in my view, have a role to play, leadership specifically, in focusing their time and energy and resources on promoting social justice within their um, employee base and other stakeholders within their group. So that, but that's my, you know, belief system. So, what are your thoughts on that? On the responsibility of leaders to allocate resources accordingly? And again, it might seem self-serving given that you offer such services, but at the end of the day, that there needs to be proactive. Um, uh, work done both on an organizational level and an individual level, mm. I believe. Your thoughts? Absolutely. Wow, it's a lot to unpack um, there. And I want to highlight one thing. Don't let me forget to talk about the internal aspect of this. But you're absolutely right. Organizations today can no longer sit on the sidelines mm. and, and just see what's happening in the world and not respond proactively not waiting to reactively. The reason why DEI training has been ineffective is that companies are being reactive, not proactive. When you just need to do something because you've fallen behind, then you just you just do whatever you can as soon as you can. When you're proactive, you really, you really put thought and energy and effort towards it um, because you're intentional in your outcomes. So organizations need to be intentional and they need to, they need to really um, step up in what's happening. But I think even more than that, and this is difficult, organizations internally have to create space and not policy but create the opportunity for the human aspect of it let me let me explain this as an african-american in a corporate world it's difficult it's difficult because the expectation we carry this weight that we have to overperform and overachieve uh, like we're constantly trying to prove ourselves could you, could you imagine what it would feel like if something happened in our, our world? And a lot has happened, by the way, with all the, the things that we've seen on TV. If managers were to pull their diverse employees in and say, hey, this happened, and I'm, I'm sorry, um, but I just want to know how you feel. And create a space for that conversation to happen in the office on company time. To, to show the intent. Like, if we don't start internally, we want our companies to have all the response externally, but I believe that the cry is inside of our organizations. We saw this with one global company we were working with when all the Asia hate things flared up, their employees, their special Asian employees were asking HR, what are we doing as a company? How do we respond? How are we responding? And do you care? And if we can't show that care internally for our people, then it's great that we have the external programs, but I think we have to do both. And the focus has to start with it. Love it. I absolutely love it. And correct me if I'm wrong, from your perspective, there's an increasing cost, both real and opportunity cost for not taking such appropriate action. Do you think leaders are aware of such costs? If I'm honest, I think that some are and many aren't. I believe that business is moving so fast and so quick. And thankfully, honestly, this, this pandemic has really slowed us down and helped us think a little differently. But let me give you an example. We had a client who 
serviced a lot of what would seemingly on the on the surface be diverse people and diverse initiatives. But when they looked internally, they realized that 90% of their staff came from two schools, Harvard and Yale. Well, if you only recruit from Harvard and Yale, where, you know? So the fact that they did their first um, event at a historically black college university, that was a moment of celebration. And I think that we, sometimes we don't celebrate that enough. Even if they didn't hire anyone, just going there and, and, and doing that is really, is important. But then can you imagine the first person who gets hired from that initiative that comes into that organization when you you don't even know, forget an inclusive culture, you just, it's been the good old boys club. You Everyone came from two schools. They had that in common. Now you're bringing someone in completely differently. So there's so much work that has to be done in, in the thought of how might this person you know, interact and feel and be accepted within our organization. And so it's hard sometimes for leaders to, to understand from the perspective of the person coming in and also from the perspective of the, the person who's used to relating in a certain way to now having to relate to someone in a different way and feeling uncomfortable and not really sure and making the assumption that you don't have a lot in common when in reality, we have so much in common. If, if our training doesn't unite us and the efforts we do don't unite us on the things we have in common, we're not going to accomplish the goals of inclusion that we want because we keep focusing on what divides us instead of what unites us. It's not mm -hmm. a us versus them, you know? Inclusion is for everyone. And, and it's beautifully said. And one of the things I'm taking away too is this is an ongoing effort. And the example that you cited, just to highlight, you know, something happened in the world and there was a reaction by a certain segment within a workforce and then leaders responded, you know, and I'm talking a little bit in the ideal sense, but that has to be ongoing. You can't just be blind to what's happening externally, particularly what happens if what happens externally is affecting people in internally so it's not you know check the box we did that training we're all good high five move on <laughs> you know that's what we're highlighting today so yeah you know, as we wrap up uh how can viewers listeners learn more about you and what you're doing there at trainup well we're easy to find you can you know reach us at trainup.com or or knowledge flow but what the thing that I really want to say is that I'm just really challenging. We, we actually just stopped doing the, the traditional. For many years, we were part of the problem. Companies would call us at training.com and they would say, hey, I need an instructor to teach at my conference on design thinking. And we'd get the best instructor we could find and we send them down there and they would do a one or two day design thinking workshop and they would leave and they're going off to another company. We don't know whether any of that information even stuck. And so now with our new training flow continuous learning approach, we've just retired from the traditional for the most part. We want organizations to say, if we're gonna do a learning initiative, let's, let's do it as well as we possibly can. Let's begin engaging uh, people before, during and after to see how we can put this you know, into practice continuously. And so I encourage organizations to, to think about how can we think differently about the ways that we've traditionally uh, approached learning. And when it comes to topics like, you know, DEI, 
I'm so stuck on this concept of inclusion. Think about um, even a meeting, you know, that that you have. If you if you really understand that inclusion is a skill, then your meetings can be more inclusive. More ideas can come from more places and more sources. It doesn't have to come from a diverse employee. There are marginalized employees in our organizations who are white, who are, uh, you can be male and be marginalized and not included and not welcomed and your voice shunned and not heard. These, this concept is so much bigger than even colors hmm. and sexes and disability and all these things. Those are amazingly important. But the reality is that in corp companies and organizations are going to move faster and quicker and more effectively if they're more they're more included inclusive and so just really harping on that um a lot i mean i can share tons on this and, um maybe you'll invite me back sometime um but you know it's just it's been an incredible journey for us to see the the growth that we've experienced in not only the space of dei but also just with our platform and the approaches that we're, we're taking and the results that we're seeing uh, recently just finishing something with the White House Communication Agency um, was also really special uh, for us. Jeremy, you are a special man, my friend. Um, I super appreciate you sharing, super appreciate who you are. Thanks for your insights and ideas and inspirations. Uh, yes, of course. Look forward to talking again uh, very soon. Uh, until then, uh, you be well and uh, let's continue to you know, make some great things happen. Yeah, I continue to shape the future of learning. Thank you so much, Al. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you. All right. Be well.